0: This is the Jesus Habit podcast where we're using scripture and science to make your new nature in Christ second nature. Episode 7 for Monday, September 16th, 2019. Our memory verse Every Monday, before we get into Hebrews for the week, we're going to spend a day on the 90-day journey process. My aim in doing so is to help guide you through this 90-day journey, and as we'll see in today's parable, planning is an important part of being kingdom-minded. These principles are taken directly from Jesus. I have discovered about 21 of these principles. Don't worry, we're not going to go through them all. What I have learned is, just as there can be many applications for a teaching and even one of Jesus' parables, they also teach more than just about morality. They teach about the methods and context for life change. Today's parable seems like one of the less significant of Jesus' stories. We hardly ever go to it. I, as a pastor, have spent a lot of time talking about whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple, but very little time on the parable that follows that statement. Let's read it from Luke 14. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple." Salt is good, but if it loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is fit neither for the soil nor for the manure pile. It is thrown out. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. What does planning or estimating the cost of considering resources have to do with being Jesus' disciple and carrying your cross? This story is sandwiched between two of Jesus' phrases about being his disciple, so it must be related. We tend to think of this in terms of counting the cost before becoming one of Jesus' disciples. And yes, you can definitely see that. Following Jesus will cost you. And yes, that's definitely a big part of what Jesus is getting at here. He says that following him will cost you your family and even your own life. For some, we literally lose our families because we choose to follow Jesus. For others, we have to stop worshiping our family so we can follow Jesus. Either way, this is a cross we have to carry. But can we learn anything else from this story when it comes to being a disciple? I think so. I think we can learn about the importance of planning. If you want to build a tower, the first thing you do is estimate the cost and see if you can afford it. You don't just start building it and hope it all comes together. Since most of us won't be leading armies into battle, we'll spend most of our time with the first parable. Not only should we estimate the cost of being a disciple of Jesus, we should estimate the cost in being a disciple. Wait, those sound like the same thing. They are and they aren't. There is the cost of being a disciple that we typically associate with our salvation and saying goodbye to our old sinful life. But there is also the cost of being a follower of Jesus, of continually learning to say goodbye to everything we think we deserve, and following Jesus. Discipleship is not just a decision we make at the moment of our salvation. Decision is a lifelong process of learning to love Jesus more than anything. Sometimes we will simply be able to, through a moment of insight, have a change of heart or mind. But sometimes, if not most of the time, it requires a little more planning and estimation on our part to change. In other words, don't just commit to changing absolutely everything in your life right now at the beginning of this 90 days. Don't build the foundation for a mansion if you only have enough supplies to build a bungalow. I have never been a planner. I've always been a fly-by-the-seat-of-my-pants kind of a person. I'm an improvisational musician, after all, and most improvers don't like planning for a reason. At least, that was what I always thought. I just assumed that the great jazz artists that I love were improvising solos and parts on the spot, but that's not true. Most of them will work out the structure for the solo in advance, sometimes spending hours for weeks working on it. Then, once they have the structure, they use it as a framework for their solo. They may not play it exactly the same way twice, but the basic idea will always be there. I have been learning that you can get a lot more done and get a lot farther ahead if you take the time to plan things out. I have also learned that there are many things I don't do that I would have done in the past because I would just jump into things without planning. The same is true for following Jesus. We need to be intentional, strategic, thoughtful, and smart about following Christ. Part of the difficulty we face is not just entitlement, though that is a problem. We don't like the idea of working hard for something. We'd rather just win the Jesus lottery. The other part of the problem is we have greatly romanticized what following Jesus looks like. We've made it into a completely mystical experience where every moment of every day, Jesus is rocking my socks off with his awesomeness. While I will argue that there is a whole lot more awesome that we should be experiencing as Christ followers, I do not think that following Jesus is totally awesome all the time. Scripture doesn't paint that picture. There will be times when following Jesus is amazing. There will be times when it's hard. And there will be lots of ordinary days. What we have in the Gospels are the highlights of Jesus' ministry. We don't have the humdrum days. We don't have much about the quiet days where they were just resting and hanging out. They were certainly there. But the gospel writers chose to focus on the highlights, and they are just that, highlights. Stephen Furtick has talked about the dangers of comparing our behind-the-scenes to everyone else's highlight reel. We have done precisely that with Jesus. We have read the highlights of Jesus' life on earth and compared it to our lives, and they're not the same. Worse, we then let the enemy use this flawed way of thinking as a device to discourage us, letting him convince us that something is wrong with us because people aren't being raised from the dead every day. How many people did Jesus raise from the dead? Four. He raised four people from the dead. How about the apostles? Two. One by Peter and one by Paul. Did Jesus heal a lot of people? Yes. But there were ordinary days too. Now, don't use this as an excuse to settle for ordinary because you weren't made for that either. But the more we can start to see this as a thoughtful process built on over time, the more we will start to change. When we shoot for the stars without planning, we set ourselves up for failure every time. Does it ever work that way? In the rarest of cases, but it often doesn't last. Why? Because the foundation isn't there. So don't jump past the planning part of this journey. Spend a few minutes working through the capture worksheet. Honestly evaluate and calculate what you think you can do. Don't underchallenge yourself, but don't over-challenge yourself. If you get into the process and discover you need to make an adjustment, there is space for that. How do we lose our saltiness? By being uncommitted. For many of us, the reason we struggle with commitment is because we struggle with planning. If you have felt less committed to Christ than you'd like, spend some time planning and estimating what you could do to change that. Be realistic. Shoot for the stars if you like to fail, but if you want to make progress in the process, honestly evaluate where you are in life and what you can feasibly do. And don't be surprised if your life starts looking more like Jesus when you do. Because once you start intentionally incorporating Jesus into more of your life, your life starts to get a little more salty. Have you done the capture worksheet yet? Take 15 to 20 minutes and work your way through that today, then add that to the new habit line on your week of page. www.thejesushabit.com